your love endures forever. Amen. Please grab your seat if you've uh, said hi to someone. Um, this is usually one of my favorite times on Sunday morning, and it's amazing. Just um, I, I'm hearing more and more stories of just not just people being seen and greeted and loved, but also people sharing prayer, prophetic words during that time. So thank you all for always leaning in, just recognizing how uh, un un uncommon it is for, for a lot of the places we came through. My name is Edgar King. I am the lead pastor, Karibuni Sana. If this is your first time on behalf of the team and this church family, I'm so grateful that you chose to spend your Sunday with us. And um, you're wondering what's happening. <laughs> See, I couldn't come back with the accent, so. You know, Kenyans, we travel for one week and we're different people, so. It's going to wear off. Why don't we stand and read scripture together? <laughs> Uh, we're reading Exodus 34, 6 to 7 together. Let's read. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and the fourth generation. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So this is the anchor scripture for our time together for the next couple of weeks. Um, and this is the most quoted scripture by scripture itself. Um, and it, uh, I, as I said three weeks ago, that uh, names in, in ancient Middle East weren't just something you go by, they described your character. And this, when, when uh, writers of scripture would think of how to describe God, this is what they would say. He is uh, uh, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Now, uh, on, on our Facebook page, we've, uh, we've shared um, very short videos that expound on those attributes. What, what does it mean when we say God is love, uh, has uh, steadfast love and, and uh, he is faithful and compassionate? So take a moment and go on. It's not now, you know, when you go home. They're just like four min uh, three minutes each from the, I've forgotten what people they are. And these attributes of God are unchanging to thousands of, of generations. Last week, Joy talked about blessing and blessing in our family. The thing is, this beauty, this, this beauty we see in God, He actually puts in each family, like every family, even the worst um, uh, 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 families that are so terribly adjusted, there's always something of God. And I know that some of us have had very terrible experiences that sometimes overshadow the beauty that God has put in there. But each family carries something of God, and we see these attributes of God, and, and they play out in different ways. Um, and God keeps this promise to thousands of generations. Um, and... Uh, 
But then there's a disturbing part in that scripture, right? Right in that scripture, we read, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, I need to, again, make this clear. This is not uh, uh, about God being some diabolical killjoy who holds you responsible for your parents' sins. It's more because uh, we, we see that that is not true when we look at the entire council of scripture. We see that that is not true when we look at uh, the character of Jesus, who is the image of, the, uh, of, of God himself. So the, the better way to look at this is that it, uh, built in sin itself are consequences. Sin will pay you back. Sin will pay you back. Sin done by you, sin done against you, sin done... Uh, around you will impact not just you, oftentimes it, it impacts generations. And even if you're not a spiritual person and you're thinking, what the heck is that? Uh, there's evidence in psychology where uh, the places of brokenness in your family are often, uh, the, the places of brokenness in your own life are often found to be tied to, you know, uh, how you were raised by your parents and, and the brokenness they had and the brokenness that, they, uh, that their parents before them had. And, and it just, it's generational. So whether, whether you want to look at it from a spiritual perspective or not, this is true. That the things, brokenness and sin, that, uh, done by you, done to you, or done around you, does not just impact you, it impacts um, uh, uh, generations later. And so as a church family, we've been leaning into this, uh, to, into the intentional following of Jesus so that we can become like him, uh, uh, do what he did, and do what he did in the world. And to join him in this work and to, be, uh, to take part in the, uh, the transformation he's inviting us into, we have to intentionally deal with that stuff that we all come with. We have to intentionally deal with the baggage that we all come with. The number one biggest impact on your following of Jesus, which has been a big deal for us as a church community, is your family of origin. Who you are today is a byproduct of your family of origin, the culture you live in, uh, your socioeconomic upbringing, uh, the key experiences you, you had in your early years, both good and bad ones. So it was very important that Joyce uh, started with generational blessing because we have to be aware that there's good stuff even in our families. Um, and who you are today is a byproduct of all that, the good and the bad experiences, the traumas and the triumphs, the death of a parent and how it impacted you, the splitting of a parent, abuse in some cases, and, and uh, even great things, the fact that you were able to attend school, all those things have shaped who you are today. Following Jesus requires that we look back and then intentionally see the lies that we lean into, that we've borrowed from those places and receive healing. Following Jesus requires that we do that work. Emotional healing, emotional maturity, and spiritual maturity go hand in hand. And I, I explained that a bit more uh, three weeks ago, so you could go online and just... Uh, hear what I had to say uh, uh, for that reason. And you know, have you ever been in certain situations in your life and you know you love Jesus, you know you believe in Jesus, and then something happens and, 
and you start saying things like, I don't know what came, came over me. You react in a way and you go, I don't know what came over me. Well, I want to say it's more like you don't know what came out of you. It's been in there. It didn't come from outside, right? It's not that you didn't love Jesus, but you did something like, ooh, what? What did we just see, right? How many times do we come across people who believe, and, uh, uh, believe in Jesus and they love Jesus and they came to follow him, uh, but violence is just how they respond to things? both at home and on the streets. And then you find out, oh, that that's exactly how their father before them responded to things. How many times we meet people who love Jesus, believe in Jesus, but, but, but alcohol abuse is what they resort to when, when, when emotional pain is triggered. Then you find out that their mother before her and hers before her responded in the very same way. The stuff we pick from our families of origin is not just our genetics. I mean, and, and I don't want you to think of just mom and dad. I want you to think, you know, generations even before that. You know, I was reading this interesting research. Uh, uh, okay, I was just looking around and seeing if I can say the things. So, yeah, so you know, uh, like, um, when, when, when girls are formed in, in the womb, they have all the eggs they will ever carry. So in a, in a mother, I already, how many generations? Two, at one given point. That's how, that's how just amazing uh, women's, women, uh, women's, women are, right? In a mother, there's already two generations at some point, and so already in that point, your, your, your grandmother impacted you, right? And her eating patterns, and whether she was uh, whether she was uh, abused or abusive, all those things are impacting you because our environment does impact how our genetics show up. So I want you to think not just mom and dad, but go a few generations after that. There was a scientist who uh, did a study at, uh, at a Holocaust hospital in, in New York uh, with Holocaust survivors. She isolated a stress hormone that was found in the survivors of, uh, of a concentration camp. Then she tested their children and the children after them and found that they had the same stress hormone even though they never experienced it, right? Something, just, because, just because you're not aware of it. In the inheritance with my son Isaac, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and, and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah says, uh, tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he's your offspring. You see how generational blessing carries on with us, even, even when we create lines that were not part of the plan? Moving on. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on, on, on her shoulders and sent, sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Okay, right there. A bit of favoritism. Obviously favored uh, his, his, his wife's son. They're both his sons. Favoring one over the other, and there's obviously a bit of sibling rivalry, right? Uh, Ab uh, the first boy is moking the other one. Now, I want to jump forward, a generation forward. So, several years later, and Abraham's son is now married. Isaac is now married and with two sons of his own. Genesis 25. 
The boys grew up and Esau, one of Isaac's boys, became a skillful hunter, uh, a man. And so the deceiver gets deceived. He marries two women, one of whom he did not want. He loves the younger more than the former. And from that point, favoritism starts to divide his family and continues with the kids when the kids come along because he loves the firstborn of his younger wife more than all the other kids. See this portion of the story when the kids come along. Genesis 37. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his brothers, of the other children, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So the day Jacob had a, uh, one day Jacob had a special gift for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest. They, could, uh, they couldn't say a word to him. Generation three. And already we're seeing favoritism happening all over again, and we're seeing severe sibling rivalry. Now, I've never been a parent, and uh, I received the prophecy that Lydia has made. And, uh, so one day, one day I'll come and correct everything I have said about parenting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I want your permission to say one more thing about parenting. You know, uh, I mean, I've never been a parent in that sense. Um, I think all parents have, have, have different relationships with each of their children. Because just as human beings, we bring out different things in each other. Our personalities, everything. So the truth is, you're never the same parent with each of your children. They bring out different things in you. However, favoritism is a very different thing. It's, it's when one parent obviously, so obviously, uh, uh, values and treasures and loves one, sibling, one child over the other siblings that the others know it. If you ask them who can get away with murder, they will tell you. Mom will go to jail for this one. Mom will call the cops on this one, right? And, and it's so obvious sometimes that it begins to divide the family. This is what is happening in this family. Now, sibling rivalry, brothers and sisters fight. I grew up in a family uh, with three siblings. We fought all the time. And sometimes really bad accidents uh, were likely to happen as we fought. I think, I think back to some of those fights, I'm going, wow, that was God being kind to us, right? Because we fought terribly. From, from, uh, from playing, we'd, we'd play wrestling, and I remember a terrible accident almost happened, and fight for real, right? And, you know, and one among us would always cry to get the attention of the parents. Who cares who it is? The point is siblings fought. <laughs> and, you know, my brothers were visiting in 2020. We went to dinner with Bill and Chad and them, and they started picking up, you know, on, on teasing me again. They picked up some old, old wounds and, um, I'm not sure if they invited back to Nakuru, but you know. <laughs> I, I, but with all the fighting my, my siblings and I had, I have never, I have never heard them had a plan to sell me as an excuse for not killing me. I mean, I don't know about it yet, you know. And, uh, I'm not gonna be that gracious with these guys. But, but they've never had a plan to sell me or kill me. Imagine severe sibling rivalry that they go, let's kill this dude. Let's just get done with him. 
Of course, at a time where war and violence and death was common. So this is war, death and violence is very common at this time. But why would you just think, that's the way my brother should go? And then one of them has a brilliant idea. He goes, oh, wait, 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 wait. Instead of killing him, let's sell him as a slave. And they do. They sell their own brother. Then guess what they do after that? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped, Joseph, uh, dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent, it, uh, they sent the beautiful robe to their father with a message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? What is wrong with this family? The father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. And they're going, mm-hmm. This is lying. Now we're in generation four, and it continues. They lie in the cities around them. They get lied to. This family has a severe problem with the truth, and it keeps following them from one generation to generation. So the cycle goes on. We've gone from father to son to grandchild to great-grandchild, and we're seeing the very same patterns. Favoritism, severe sibling rivalry, and, and uh, just chronic lying to get ahead, at, even at the possible cost of life of your very own family. That's a problem. However, things begin to change. The Lord was a Joseph, Genesis 39. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord is with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Joseph was a very handsome man, well built. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this entire household. No one has authority than I do. And he has held back nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How could I do such wicked thing? It would be a great sin against who? Against God. One of the siblings decides this is where it ends. One of the siblings decides that he will choose faithfulness over lying for convenience. Imagine this situation. This is a situation where it, it, it looks like private sin, nobody has to know, and he could lie about it and get, a, get ahead. He could get ahead, he could save his life. He, this is a moment to do what generations in his family have done. But Joseph decides this is where it ends. The line ends here. I will not do such a thing and sin against God. But it's not just that. When Jacob and, and Joseph are reunited and he's older, he's about to die, it was cultural that then the, the patriarch would call the children and bless them. So he calls the children and he wants to bless Joseph's children. And Jacob still has his old habits. But Jacob crossed, you, you always bless, it. there was a way to bless the children with more blessing going on to the firstborn. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. 
He put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, the last born, uh, who was the younger boy, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn. And Joseph was upset when he saw what his father had done. So Joseph lifted, uh, lifted it to move uh, it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's. Uh, and uh, no, my father, he said, this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Now, I want us to realize that even in our brokenness, we could never stop God's plan in this world. We could never stop God's plan in our lives. Yeah, and, 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 and Jacob continues to bless uh, the kids as he had planned to, right? Remember, even, even with Jacob's story, he wasn't the firstborn. God often appends stories as we thought they would go. I want us to realize, even with brokenness, God is always near us. God is always with us, and it's happening even now. That does not mean that this was such a diabolical thing happening anyway. But for Joseph, this wasn't right. For Joseph, the favoritism ends with him. Someone has to rise up and say, it ends with me. Someone has to be the first one to say, this is where it stops. We have to intentionally break the unhealthy patterns of sin and brokenness that we've inherited from our family. Someone has to be the first one to say, this is it. Now, I want us to go back to the beginning of the story of Joseph as I have read it. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph isn't necessarily any more special than his or better than his brothers. It is the presence of God over Joseph's life that is making things different. We will not heal ourselves. We will not break patterns by ourselves. We need the presence of God in our lives for these patterns to break. And this is not even about God playing favoritism. Why was God with Joseph and not with the other kids? I think, I honestly believe that, that in all of us, God has, has, um, has uh, 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 put different gifts and talents and abilities in us. And the invitation to be with him goes out to all of us. I think the invitation to be with, with, with God was out on, on all the other brothers just as it was with, with Joseph. And so every time I've talked about spiritual disciplines, every time we've been teaching here, I've said, hey, our job is to present ourselves to Jesus and let him do the work only he can do. Because the Lord is with us, we will be able to say this is where it ends. You do not free yourself. For those of you who will decide that the patterns you've seen end with you, I promise you, well, I'm sure it's something you've probably have come to know. Your own willpower will not set you free. You can only go too far. Think of the patterns you've tried to break. And then you'd be counting, yes, it's a week, I haven't done it. Yes, it's a month. I'm, oh my word, I haven't even passed by a bar. Yes, it's two months, I haven't opened my browser. Yes. And then what happens? Almost like a, like a, a, a mouse on a thing. Just, you fall over again. Your own willpower won't free you. So, the invitation is when we identify these things, we take them to Jesus. But first, we've got to identify them. 
There are things in my life and, and even habits I, I had that some I didn't even think much of. I was just like, yeah, I guess. Until I was like, wait a minute. This has happened in my family for a long time. There are things that I didn't even know, and they impacted my relational patterns. Until I drew up a family tree, a thing called a genogram, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, my father, my grandfather, ooh, something is happening here, right? Um, and, and then there's there, there are quite a few of those things that I've woken up and I'm like, wait, when did that even stop? I would, I would be lying if I said, you know, I worked very hard and I did this. I, and I know there are things I intentionally did around those habits. But to be honest, God set me free. You know, Paul says, it's for freedom's sake that Jesus has set us free. Our job is to, to be found in Jesus. And, I'm, you know, it's not like a, a Christian knees kind of way, oh, be found in Jesus. No, I, I literally mean when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time in scripture, when we spend time in fasting, when we spend time in silence and solitude, what we're doing is just being with the Father and letting him do the work only he can do. And then, you know, we can add alongside that things like counseling and prayer. I've received prayer for things I'm like, I don't wanna see this in my life or in that of my kids. Yesterday, Yesterday, just allow me, I'm, I'm it's only one session, by, uh, section, uh, but I feel I want to share this. Yesterday was my mom's birthday. And um, uh, so uh, I'm not very good with calls. <laughs> but I promised my mom I'll try better. I'll, I'll, so I was like, ah, let me call her. And if you struggle with phone calls, Maybe that's another pattern I need to dig where it came from, but my grandfather never had a phone. But anyway, you know, when you struggle with phone calls, you are very happy when the person you're calling doesn't pick up, right? So my mom didn't pick. I'm like, yes, yes. And then she called back. I'm like, oh, no, because it was a video call. I'm just like, oh, this is going to be intense. And so we pick it up. Hey, happy birthday, mom. How are you doing? And, you know, it's just, and she, she was in a parking lot. She's about to drive home. And she says, oh, Edgar, there's something I wanted to tell you. Okay. Let me pause that there for a moment. So I have noticed when I was in college, something happened that got me into a lot of trouble. And I noticed that, that I respond to certain things with, with, with a lot of, with, with a very deep wound of rejection. And so I learned to say yes a lot. I, I learned to, yeah, sure, yeah. And I never thought about it until I said too many yeses and got into trouble. I was like, wait a minute, why am I trying so? And as I've grown older, so I was, uh, I was in one of my counseling sessions, I think last year, I really, I don't, my team knows you will never see me on my birthday. I will take leave. And one day during COVID, Sunday was my actual, actual birthday. I packed my bike right here. So right after I finish, I'm out of this place. And then they tricked me. And then I saw people coming with cake and it was very uncomfortable. And so I was sharing with my counselor, like I have this discomfort on my birthday. 
And he asked, did anything happen to you on your birthday before? I'm like, not that I know of. And, you know, I could rationalize it. Hey, hi, buddy. Good to see you again. Okay. I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> what time are we going home? Give me... This is the generation that will keep leaders in check. <laughs> Amen. And I just want to bless you. You are an amazing leader already. Until I find out that your dad had sent you. <laughs> okay. So now that I'm on a time, I'm, I'm on a leash. So let's really keep this going. And so I'm like, wait, where, where was I? I, I? What happened? I don't know. And, as I, and I rationalized it as I just don't like when people go happy birthday. I'm like, if you haven't been calling me all year long, why are you calling me now? It made sense to me. But then I've just been becoming aware that there's a wound of rejection there. I'm like, I don't know what happened. And some of you have heard my story. So I was born uh, 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 seven months. Uh, pregnancy wasn't complete. But there was a lot of miracle around it. Uh, my mom had really struggled with, with, with her pregnancies, and this one was really hard. But she started praying, God, so all the other kids that, that she has, my siblings, let me just say, all my mother's kids overstayed. And the one I follow, whom you, many of you know, really overstayed, would have won Guinness Book of Records if my mom knew about it. And so my mom was really scared. Um, so she started praying and, and said to God, if you make this one complete, uh, sorry, pay me for the times I have carried way overdue as long as you make him complete. And then went into this women's prayer, prayer thing. My life has always had uh, mothers praying over me to this day. So, and these women were prophesying over me and, and this is partly why I stand here today. Because this, this was prophesied long before I was, I, I was known to either be viable or not. So that's an amazing story of blessing that I carry. And then my mom says, what I, what I have never told you <clears throat> is I didn't want this pregnancy. And that she would be walking on the road and the moment she would remember she's pregnant, she would get so freaked out that what led her to start praying for me was that she had this, this, this desire that this pregnancy would, wouldn't be. And, <laughs> and I know, uh, I, I've experienced rejection across my life, like not, you know, every man experiences that, every human being. But I, in the moment she said that, I just knew, it's like, this, I can see why I've been struggling with my birthday. I can see why there's, there's just been this awareness, like, wait, what is this? And I've, I've been doing a lot better, but it was so, it was so uh, eye-opening. And the best thing that happened on my mother's birthday was that she prayed over me. And anyway, 
So we've got to become aware of these patterns, the things that happen, and what all these things impact us, and then we take them to Jesus. So really quickly, how do, I, how do we identify what patterns are in our lives? One way to identify them, just pray. Ask the Holy Spirit, show me what relational patterns you want us to, to deal with today. Show me what relational patterns I am carrying from, from my, my, my father and my mother and the generations before. Show me. And then sit, sit quietly. And he will. And if you don't find anything, it's okay. Wrap up your prayer time and go your merry way. Two. <laughs> Talk to people you're in close relationship with. Just ask your spouse. What relational patterns need work? They will tell you. They can see it. They are living through it. <laughs> if you're dating, ask your boyfriend or your girlfriend. If you're in a community group and you've been there a while, ask them. Be gentle with each other though, yeah? Three, the genogram. If you're in a community group, your community leaders have been sent a genogram. It's like a... It's a, it's a family tree, you just draw and you write your name and your siblings' names and th those of your father and their parents, your parents and their parents, and then you start identifying what patterns cut across. Just observational. You go, oh, by the way, my aunt was never married and, and da da da, you know, just, just, just observe. Like, oh, this, these marriages keep ending at year two. Just observe and write. Don't, don't pass judgment, don't, just, just observe, and then prayerfully ask, Lord, what do we need to deal with? Don't do it alone. Sometimes very hard things come up. If you can do it as a couple, great. More importantly, get into a community group and share what you can. Then on the 14th, we'll have prayer together. I, I've, after a couple of weeks of this talk, We'll offer prayer for some people who might have very hard things come up and you just like uh, 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 prayer for those things, whether it's generational sin or brokenness, and we we'll, would love to pray with you. So if you're not in a community group and you'd like a genogram, please leave your name with Stacy or write to us on our phone number. Then receive prayer for the things you will see. Receive prayer. Why don't we stand and release, especially him? Thank you for your patience. Uh, would our prayer teams come up, just in case? Uh, yeah, would our prayer teams come up? So even now, if some, some things have come up uh, to you and you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. There is power in his name. There is power in his name and he desires to set you free. Also, if you need prayer for healing or just comfort, please don't, don't, don't hold back. Lord, you are so good. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Lord, you're good to all and you have compassion on all that you have made. So our souls praise you. 
With all our being, we praise you. With everything we are, we praise you. As you're putting us back together, we praise you. So I bless you now to go into this city, to your families and friends and even strangers, and serve them and love them as you are getting healed yourself. I just pray over you that the Holy Spirit will walk beside you this week, showing you things that he's already doing in you. I pray protection over you that the enemy will not accuse you. So I silence the accuser. As, as Jesus is walking you through patterns in your own life, the accuser will not stand a chance. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much. See you again next weekend. If you need prayer, please come on up.